Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Hannah Kavanaugh, and welcome to our very first episode of Tea for Three. I'm so happy that you guys are tuning in with me today. The guests that we're going to have today on our very first episode, who are here with me right now, are Nadia Sivakachala. Hey, guys. And Claudia Dana. Howdy. What's up, you guys? How are you doing today? Great. I'm pretty good. Beautiful Friday. Hey, that's what's up. All right, so the tea that we're going to be trying today is Trader Joe's Organic Pomegranate White Tea with hibiscus flowers and lemongrass. We are not sponsored by Trader Joe's. No. (laughs) Fair, that's true. Um, So here's the description, you guys. Um, Trader Joe's Organic Pomegranate White Tea is an exquisite balance of white tea and the tart fruitiness of pomegranate. White tea requires no fermentation or rolling. Instead, young leaves and unopened leaf buds are simply picked withered and dried pomegranate flavors along with hints of hibiscus and lemongrass pair well with light white delicate tea all right let's get the show on the road let's pour the tea and let's see what we think so let's uh let's not scold our tongues here let's (laughs) i'm gonna blow on it and just yeah let's see what we think i like it yeah it's 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 super light um this would be great as an iced tea actually oh true true yeah, we'll definitely have those for the summer, I think. So overall, how are we feeling about this tea? What would we rate it? What would we tell Trader Joe's about it, Mr. Joe? Um, I definitely am getting a tartness. It may not be a strong pomegranate kind of tartness. Yeah, fair. But I do enjoy like light, delicate flavors. And since I just woke up from a nap, this is excellent. Hey, that's what's up. Nice. So now that we got the tea out of the way, we, we sipped the tea, we liked the tea. Now it's time to spill the deets um, on gender and sexuality. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, We're going to be talking about concepts of sexual orientation and how we've grown to understand that and accept that within ourselves. So I guess the first question I have for you two is, how did you grow to understand your sexual orientation initially? How did that come about? Was it something that you innately knew or have you grown to understand it? For a while, I thought I was asexual because I saw many of the girls around me wanting to date boys or whatever and I just couldn't understand that. And at that point, I didn't yet realize being obsessed with female friends and wanting to spend all my time with them was really gay. (laughs) But then I did because just like the level of attraction increased being like oh wait straight girls don't really want to just like make out with their best friend all the time Hmm. i think like i do straight girls want to make out with their best friends all the time i don't think (laughs) (laughs) Um, i didn't realize that i was queer until i had what i lovingly call my gay panic between Mm -hmm. eighth and ninth grade um because i'm bi so i like grew up and i had crushes on guys like everyone else or like what I understood to be a crush when I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. And um, my really intense female friendships were just kind of that. And I didn't really realize that like what I was feeling for the, my friends that were girls wasn't normal. <laughs> right. When did you realize that that wasn't normal? It, it kind of started in seventh grade because I had this one girl who I was really, really good friends with, Mm -hmm. and her mom didn't want us hanging out because her mom was actually pretty homophobic. Wow. And she asked her, after I went over to their house once, she asked her if I was, like, bi or if I was a lesbian. And she asked me, and I was like, I don't 
think so. At that point, I was already wearing, like, Converse and cuffed jeans and button-up flannels. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't until the following summer that I actually, like, experienced, like, such, like, an intense immediate crush on a girl that I had, like, no choice but to actually, like, observe who I was and reflect on that. And I realized, like, oh, yeah, I'm queer as heck. (laughs) Um, but I, one thing I always found interesting was how, I don't know, it's, it's, it's funny that people presume like, oh, just because you show elements of masculinity, like, oh, wearing Converse or whatever, which I guess is a guy thing. I don't think so, but it's it's the flannels. It's a gay thing. It's a gay thing. Yeah. Dressing like a lumberjack. (laughs) What if you just like, like, but what if you just like lumberjacks though? You're secretly gay. Damn. What if I just really like the lumberjanes? That's fair. That's so gay. Um, I I mean, part of it is that like, I was always a tomboy growing up. I was obsessed with like knights in shining armor and like I had toy swords. Um, (laughs) and I always liked playing in the dirt and the mud and I always found it easier to become friends with guys. And so I think that after a certain point when you start to get older and like society really starts to expect you to conform to gender roles, Mm -hmm. that that becomes something abnormal. And that once that becomes abnormal, um, they start to try to box you into whatever you can Hmm. be or whatever they can understand you as. And for me that was tomboy and then it was baby butch. Oh, damn. I had a lot of um, internalized misogyny growing up. I always, you know, thought I was different than the other girls or whatever and was somehow superior because Not of my like interests. other girls. Yes, <laughs> I was, like, total... Like, I would say a pick-me, but I, I didn't want the guys to pick me. I'm really gay. Yeah. Um, but it was it was only once I started living as an openly gay person that I started enjoying some femme things and... I think it's interesting how that kind of helped me embrace more feminine aspects of my personality hmm. because before when I was a questioning and then like a closeted small small gay mm-hmm. I was definitely like all shopped in the boys section like thought I was like better than any other girl because I didn't like wear makeup whatever and now it's like all kinds of girls are valid all kinds of everyone valid fuck yeah yeah (laughs) and like i had a very similar experience where like i thought that i was like better than other girls because like i refused to wear pink or skirts or dresses yeah for years oh and the whole not being boy crazy thing yeah (laughs) i was like i'm the superior intellectual now it's like (laughs) girls um yeah yeah, no that that was a really big thing and i think part of it is just like i was uncomfortable with the the things that I really liked about some other girls were things that I was myself was very uncomfortable recognizing as things that I liked. Hmm. And huh. so it wasn't until I actually started like figuring out who I was that I was able to be like, no, pretty dresses are pretty and I'm allowed to wear them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make me a lesser of a person. It's funny because when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, I kind of had those similar thoughts too. You know, I for a while when I was a kid, I was into superheroes. I would I would uh, cuddle with the Hulk with my Hulk action Aww. figure every night as I if it were a teddy that. bear. Just I don't know. That was stuff I was really into, and I think a lot of the feminine qualities that I noticed in terms of like makeup and dolls. I dabbled in it. I think at the at a certain point though, there was a time in middle school where I grew to like 
vehemently dislike that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think part of it was because um, it seemed like at the time, it's very different now, but at the time, a lot of boys that I like would gravitate towards girls that were interested in that. And I think that's something that I kind of was jealous of because I, I wasn't into that. And so I felt like, I don't know, that kind of played a role for me. I mean, I think that middle school is a really weird time for everyone figuring out, like, their gender expression. Yeah. Because you have, first of all, you have puberty. Oh, it hits like, you like a truck. Congratulations, <laughs> you're a woman now, enjoy your pain. Yeah, oh my god. Um, and then also, like, your hormones are going crazy, your body yeah. is changing. Yeah. And so, like, I think that that's, like, a very physical reminder yeah. that, like, hey, whatever you got to get away with when you were a kid, you mm-hmm. aren't a little kid anymore. That's and true. that's when there are a lot more stringent expectations for young girls about, like, you need to be small and feminine and delicate, and you yeah. need to learn start learning immediately how to take up the least space possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas with boys, that's when they start to learn that, like, they can continue pretty much acting the exact same way, and, like, that's when everyone starts to really p- be pushed into their decided gender roles yeah i mean it's well decided gender roles forced forced gender gender roles do you feel like your family in any way forced those gender roles upon you i actually i did never felt that way my mom was like a strong like 70s style feminist who never really taught me any of the feminine things all of my like feminine qualities i taught myself that my mom like my mom never wears makeup like very not into gender roles Mm -hmm. even though now I can see where where some parts of her thing, her whole thing, are a little bit problematic. But hmm. sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I never really felt this pressure. I know, ne- and I never felt pressure in. Um, I went to a really progressive elementary and middle school where I never felt any pressure to really be somebody I wasn't. Hmm. And then I went to a Catholic high school. Oh. <laughs> and there I was a freak. <laughs> I compared to everyone else, I was a total freak. I I high key feel that because I went to I went to Catholic school up until sec no first yeah no first grade that's right and then I went to Greek Orthodox school from second to oh. eighth grade. So yeah no it it so it's funny I kind of had the reverse thing like I very much didn't fit in from everyone else because I was never really hyper feminine anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people noticed that and picked up on that and treated me differently because of that. But I don't know. In high school, I'm, I went to performing arts high school, so that's when people stopped giving a shit. And therefore, I did. And yeah. I, I never got pressure from my mom. My grandmother is like very much so the like old, stereotypical Italian grandma. So if we went to church with her, like, you had to wear a dress, you had to do this. Yeah. I was always told, like, Claudia, that's not ladylike. And that's still said, and I just laugh at this point. Um, yeah. But um, my mom never really pushed anything on me. She was a Boy Scout when she was growing up because her mom didn't feel like taking her to the Boy Scout, her to the Girl Scouts and her brothers to the Boy Scouts, so they just all went together. That's that. cool. <laughs> yeah. And that was in, like, the 70s. So the actual, like, pressure to conform was mostly from, like, school. I grew up in, like, a very, like, white, upper-class Irish Catholic area. Right. And so there were just, like, 
unspoken rules about like this is what you do at a birthday party this is what you do at a sleepover yeah and like they were very clearly defined like these are the girls parties these are the boys parties yeah. and you're not supposed to mix them and hmm. that kind of sucked <laughs> for sure it's um it's interesting because i'm i'm taking intro to cultural anthropology and my professor oh, whole other story but anyway my <laughs> <laughs> My professor um, was saying that, you know, we, we think that parents have all this influence over us in terms of how we grow up, but really it's all peer-based. Um, I don't know. And I feel like with what you just said in terms of the gender roles and how you kind of picked it up from school, I mean, that kind of fits the bill, right? I mean, Apparently. I mean to an extent, because kind of, like, yeah. I could also see very much so like my mom also like never wore makeup, never really cared about mm-hmm. her appearance. I saw that very clearly in, like, a lot of my friends' mothers growing up. Oh, I see. Um, I wouldn't say that. And then um, my sister had a really big maternal role in my life from Mm -hmm. when I was 8 to 14. And she's also queer. Right. So she, like, she's had, like, a continuing discovery of how she identifies because she started out identifying as bisexual because that was the easiest way to explain it. Hmm. Then she learned about pansexuality. Yeah. And then she realized that she's panromantic demisexual. I actually don't know what that means. Can okay. you explain that to me? Yeah. Um, so as, as someone who is biromantic, bisexual, like I can't speak on the authority of the entire demi community. Yeah, for sure. Demisexuality is part of the spectrum of asexuality. Okay. Um, essentially, it is that you don't form any sort of sexual attraction to someone unless there is a strong romantic and emotional bond. Okay. So, like, they don't experience, like, lusting for the attractive stranger on the subway. Right. You have to have a relationship and get to know the person, and then you might start to feel sexual feelings. All right. Well, all right. No, it's um, I don't know. I feel like nowadays it's just there's so it's such a spectrum now. It took me until actually um that whole like trans literacy prot thing really? to really understand what all those meant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I just thought it was gay. Oh, I'm hitting the table. Gay. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Um, I just thought it was uh, gay, bi, straight. And then I just, I discovered asexuality senior year because a friend of mine was asexual and I did not know what that meant. So it was a late start for sure. But I feel like it's a very recent development though, no, in terms of the whole spectrum of sexuality and and gender And and stuff. I think also like different, like the different levels of visibility that are afforded to different communities ba- mm-hmm. th- like through the internet. Like the fact that like I was able to learn about bisexuality when, when honestly my mom first gave me like that care and keeping of you book from oh, the American Girl. Oh, I got Girl. that too. Yes. <laughs> I never had the talk. I had that book and I was oh. told to ask questions. Yeah, but and they-, they talked about it, about like, some girls like girls, some girls like boys, huh. some, some like both. Yeah. And that was my introduction to bisexuality, and I just never really, really huh. fit in my head. Um, but I think that like things like YouTube, the and like social media have mm-hmm. had a lot to do with me, like under, and Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr. Tumblr. Tumblr, oh. Tumblr, Tumblr. is the best, <laughs> but it had a lot to do with me, like learning about like what 
does it mean to be bi? Are yeah. we middle school What's... staying up until like three in the morning just <laughs> looking for gay content on Tumblr? Because, like, yeah. oh, I just, you know, love my female friends and seek out gay culture wherever I go and get really excited whenever I see another LGBT person You're in public. You're just an overly invested ally. I'm an overly ally. invested ally, yeah. yeah that's how mm-hmm. we all start. Yeah. And, like, that's also where I learned, though, about, like, some of the more problematic parts of the LGBT community. So, like, there's a lot of biphobia, bi erasure, panphobia, pan erasure. Um, Like, they're... Turfs suck. (laughs) Turfs do suck. Um, Because, like, we're not gay enough to be gay. We're not straight enough to be straight. So, even though I may be, like, attracted to men and women and everyone in between but that's a separate discussion on the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality um, Fair. like there are people there's some lesbians that will refuse to be with a girl if she's ever been with a guy wow and there are guys that will just inherently fetishize us and ask if we want to be in threesomes jesus yeah it it's interesting because i um in terms of the whole like bisexuality thing i've I've learned more about it as of late, and I kind of, I definitely noticed the stigmas, um, but I didn't realize it was prominent within the gay community. I know within the straight community, like, it's very much the case. Mm -hmm. Like, I know a lot of people that would be like, oh, I would never be with a bisexual person, like, because they think apparently bisexual people, I, everybody, apparently. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have sex with every single person I see. There are no friends, only Craig. (laughs) Oh my god. It's interesting. I find in the LGBT communities that I've formed and sustained, I happen to know a lot more bi people than I do, like, people who identify as gay or lesbian. Yeah. And I just, I find that, I find that interesting. And I I really do want more positive representation of, like, lesbians who aren't biphobic TERFs that are just, like, because... I just want more positive representation of good lesbians, please. Aww. Please. <laughs> yeah, to piggyback off of that, like, yeah. I, like, there are some examples of bisexuality in media that I find to be really comforting hmm. compared to some, like, older problematic tropes where it's yeah. like they just come in, they have sex with everyone, they cause problems, and then they disappear. Jeez. So, like, Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, is yes, bi. and like the way that they approached it, like similar to how they they approached Holtz being gay, like it's not, it's a characteristic that describes her, but she is not just the bi character, and I really appreciate that. She's also just pretty. She is. I mean, do you feel like, I don't know, I feel like media as a whole, in general, in terms of diversity and inclusivity, I mean, they're. I feel like it's getting better, but. Do you feel it's getting better on your end? I mean, because I feel like from my point of view, it's easy for me to be like, oh, everything's getting better, you know, but. I mean, I definitely seek out inclusive media when I do. Mm -hmm. However, I definitely do feel like I am in a, I am in a cultural bubble at times. And I realize I'm now so lucky to be in a place and in a social environment where I'm not. Starved. Yeah. Like, because I, I was, and I remember all the like, absolutely awful gay media that i have consumed just because it's gay yeah everyone mm. yeah oh god there's there's some i'm clueless with this would you mind listing some examples of like is there any gay media that most people adhere to that they don't realize is actually offensive or at least from um, a lesbian standpoint i mean i remember when i was 
when I was really young, anything that even like mentioned gay people, I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, looking back, now I demand a lot more from my media and there, there are some things I wouldn't like, God, I wouldn't even touch now. I mean, some YouTubers, I don't even remember. YouTube's a mess. Oh, yeah. (laughs) YouTube's just a big mess. I'm trying to think of like a good insightful piece of media to answer your question and it's all good everything is leaving my mind no it's fine (laughs) I mean I'm because I'm because I'm I'm really I'm really trying to think about it and god it's so bad all I can think of is like the l word which is really sad I've actually never watched the l word I've never like yeah no I mean I've consumed enough gay media that I think I'm I have cred. Okay. But... No. <laughs> like, that's all I can think of is the L word. Like, but that's like, it's disappointing. A lot, it's a lot easier to find representation also of, like, gay men than it is to find of lesbian women. Or Cis women. white gay noticed. men is all, all there are. I mean, still, it's like, it's, hmm. you know, like, it's a step. But the other thing is, like, it's when you have a lot of straight actors or cis actors playing gay or trans roles and that is kind of taking away from the opportunity to give that to a member of the L- that role to the to like a member of the LGBT community who can give a layer of depth to the role that I mm-hmm. think someone who doesn't identify in that way I don't get can. the issue with straight um, actors playing gay characters I mean cis uh, actors playing trans characters I definitely find that ugh but I mean like in like the uh, movie Stonewall that came out last year when they oh, changed that, the they, narrative. They just and... had it be like a cis white dude. Yeah. That that sucked. Yeah. Wait. The Stonewall movement was started by trans women of color. Yes. Not a skinny cis white dude. So for those that may not know, such as myself, what is the Stonewall movement? Uh, Stonewall exactly. riots in right. 1969. Uh, bars used to be raided if gay patrons were because because mm-hmm. homophobia yeah yeah and <laughs> right. then one night people fought back and some of the leaders at this riot were uh, marsh p johnson oh, sylvia okay. rivera look them up Ms. do Major. your research yep hmm. um, still alive she is she's great yeah and mm-hmm. she lives off of her patreon so I feel like um, there's might be a I could be totally wrong here. There might be a couple of reasons why a lot of gay media consists of like cis gay white men like being the lead roles. I mean, part of it is that you know there's the white card, there's the cis card, there's the male card. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no. but, it's, the most, like, <laughs> it's the most pal- it's the most palatable it's for so a wide palatable. audience. Yes, it's triple def- trouble. It's definitely the most like. I'm gonna say straight friendly way to present LGBT. Yeah, they love they love palatable gays. Yes. Like, yeah. Because as they, a TM unpalatable gay, like <laughs> let me be degenerate on main, goddammit. <laughs> but I think like part it's pretty much that I think studios are worried that if they make gay media that's too gay, mm-hmm. that it's going to be too niche and that right. then they won't be able to have like a commercial and financial success. Which mm-hmm. to me just shows that they don't have faith in the I guess buying power of the gay community. I mean, the more people are mainstream society still wants True. gays to be just like us. Just they happen to be a little different. When it's like, no, I actually like different things. gay culture, and I happen to want to create a different type of society, not just assimilate to straight society. That's mm-hmm. not my goal at all. Fair. Normativity sucks. There's this common belief I feel like a lot of people have that um well 
that a lot of times gay men may be dis- not discriminated against more that's not the right word mm-hmm. but a lot of times there there may be more of a stigma against gay men than gay women like do you agree with that well there's a lot against um you know gender non-conforming gay men yeah they definitely get the brunt of the harassment and violence right because they're very they're very visible yes out of like out of the gay male community like straight passing dudes i mean there's inter-community like in in the community i mean there there's prejudice there's there's femphobia throughout the lgbt world it's sucks I was wondering that because uh, something I was talking to a couple of friends of mine and we were, we were saying that one may argue that um, guys that have feminine traits may, may be would be under the brunt of more harassment than women that conform with like masculine culture. Yeah. Do you feel like that rings true? A l- kind of a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean right. masculinity is valued so much more in our society yes. than femininity. That's yeah. true. And yeah. I think so. that's why there's a lot of femphobia in like even the LGBT mm-hmm. community because femininity is seen as weak and that's one of the reasons that like a lot of girl I think like a lot of like young girls like when we were talking about like we distanced we yeah. distanced ourselves from our femininity yes. because now we I'm like didn't femmes rock like I yeah. bought a pair of pink floral sneakers last a couple of weeks ago and like I was just in such shock and disbelief that I bought something that was pink and flowery and I wore it with a dress. Honestly, go you, though. That's, that's cool. <laughs> and I w- it was just shocking to me that, like, that was something that was a symbol of growth because I huh. wasn't really... I never expected that I would allow myself to, like, play with, gen- play with gender and actually, like, let myself conform if I wanted to. Hmm. And I think, like... I mean, there, there's still... And I mean, for, for women, I don't think there's any... Whatever type of expression you have, you're going to get criticized by someone. You're yeah. you're too butch or you're too femme or you're yeah. whatever. You're either not taken seriously or you're mannish freak. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's no right way to be a woman. And that's true. I mean, it's um a lot of these concepts are they seem very foreign to me because like my mom just let me be whoever I wanted to be, and it just so happened that you know when I was a kid, seven or eight years old, I would just I would wear um like a button down shirt and a tie, and I'd walk around like that, that and. I don't know, like, I just, but I didn't think anything of it. I didn't, because I still see my, I still see myself as a woman. Like, that's, that's who I am. Yeah, but it's, that's just something I, I wanted to wear it, and I thought it was cool. The first time I was very conscious of it, though, is when I went to a supermarket with my mom, and there was a woman that came up to me, and she, and when my mom, and she went, you have such a beautiful boy. That happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked. I'm like, oh, no. And then I just didn't dabble into this much. I was... <laughs> I think I was twelve though. I was like eleven or twelve. Okay. My sister used to take pre-college classes at FIT on the weekends. All right. And so, and she was a high school freshman, and my mom didn't completely trust her on the train in the beginning because we didn't really go to the city that much growing up. So, in the meantime, my mom and I would like wander around. We go to like flea markets, bookstores, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we went into this, we went into this um, flea market, and like two of the vendors. We were like, oh, wouldn't your son love this? Oh. And I would I would wear, like, T-shirts and then an overshirt, so, like, a flannel or, like, something that looked, like, army, army fatigue. And I had, I would always wear, like, a beanie or a baseball hat. And I think that, like, the w- things that, like, we're picking out are more mm-hmm. because when you, like, jump into L- the LGBT community, you start to go back and reevaluate a lot of things that... Mm-hmm would seem mundane to most people but 
there are, are very specific ways that like you try to signal other people right that like hey i'm one of you that so like um the bisexual bob flannel um like that's that's a gay voice dyke voice yes i love dyke voice what's the wait gay voice wait like okay there's just no there's claudia no you have have no no it's just a really like nice rich deep voice that's Do you know, it? like, like there are some straight women that have it. Like Natasha Leone <laughs> is straight, which is tragic. That is but, tragic. Uh, <laughs> tragic. But like, yeah. she, I feel like, is like still the epitome of type voice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is that just? Is it? That's so. Wi- <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind it's that. It's, it's not a bad thing at all. It's no, a great I don't thing. mean to. I not. That's not what I meant to say. It's just. Um, I always, I always wonder why, is it just because that scene is more masculine, and so if you have a deep voice, it's just like, oh, you're gay now? There's, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, there's so much more talking about, like, the (laughs) gay male voice. I feel like. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. And that's, like, the the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also think it's interesting, like, I think. Children who've had that way before they realized they were, um, gay. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking that, like, so. Not to make this stupidly academic, but... No, no please, like, by all <laughs> um, means. And there's, like... So, I'm taking a philosophy course right now called Aesthetics in the beginning oh, of class. Claudia? Philosophy? Nerd. What? <laughs> um, and in the beginning of the semester on our first class, we talked about different theories of, like, what should make something art. And one of the theories that we talked about was cluster theory, wherein there are a few set of predetermined um, criteria that you can use to say it has this characteristic, this characteristic, this characteristic, and if it has enough, then that can check the box that, yes, this is art. And I think that, like, the the characteristics that we use to signal to people are very similar in Hmm. the sense that, like, you have the cluster theory of, like, I'm not going to call it gaydar, but... Also, (laughs) if I can just interrupt, I think it's so fascinating how... Many of my childhood friends also came out as LGBT. For we, instance, huh. two, we gathered before we knew. Two, two of my best friends, um, one of them I met at age two, the other I met at age four. Um, you know, it's like later in life, in life we all came out. One of them is also sapphic and one of them is a bi-trans man. And it's like, yeah, like we were all kind of gay. Like back then yeah. we were like, we could barely like not pee our pants. Wait, <laughs> Nothing's changed, but did you did you say Savic? Sapphic. Sapphic. Um, like women who are into Sapphos. women. Sapphos. Oh. From the Isle of Lesbos. Oh, yeah. I never. Okay. Like I had she no was idea so gay, they named being gay after her. Yeah. So oh, we love that. Okay. We love that. Read that makes some sense. Greek poetry. It'll do you good. Um, hmm. Yeah. No. Like yeah. in my best friends in middle school, who I still talk to, um, we're all. We're all a little bit gay now, and I think it's really funny because, like, my best friend and I, um, we met in sixth grade before either of us kind of realized that mm-hmm. we weren't straight. Mm-hmm. And then I came out. I came out first in my friend group because my sister was queer and she yeah. like talked to me about it and that, and she like helped me through my gay panic when I saw this girl and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I have seen a goddess. Um, and That's I cute. just kind of like jumped into the internet and tried to figure out what was going on. I had, I read a book that was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is Gay by David Leviathan. Okay. Um, that is this very like 
Subtle title. I'm going to say, like, it, it, it's literally a rainbow book. <laughs> it's a prize <laughs> Um And, nice. like, I kind of used, like, that and the internet to be what I... I was nicknamed in high school, like, the fairy queer mother. Because whenever someone started doubting their sexuality, they would talk to me. And I would just be like, okay, you're feeling this. Maybe, like look at these things here are some resources if you have any more questions you can talk to me that's sweet though that must have been that must have been kind of a proud moment for you though yeah you're just such a mom that's really cool yeah no i it was a really interesting experience because like that's really cool people get very scared when they first realize that they're not straight and like i think that's something that's kind of sad because like i was lucky enough that when i came out um, my entire family was okay with it. Did you think they would be? No. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah. I wasn't worried about my dad. I was worried about my mom because she does still have, like, a lot of, like, traditional Italian Brooklyn Catholic values. Oh, right. Um, but, like, she actually was just con- incredibly accepting. That's um, great. She's great. My mom is wonderful. You got to meet your mom. You do. Yeah. You would love her, actually. <laughs> um, cool. And, like, my sister was, bit, was out to me for a while. Mm-hmm. All of my friends were really supportive. Um, not everyone is so lucky. Yeah. And, for example, one of my sister, my sister's best friend from sixth grade to now, he realized he was bi when he was in, I think, middle school didn't start coming out to his friends until high school mm-hmm. um he met a boy online and they ended up going to college together they okay they've been roommates he's about to graduate this year nice in the, sp- in the spring i'm very proud of him mm-hmm. um but over the summer or two summers ago his mom accidentally found out that he had a boyfriend okay and there was there were a couple of hours where he was very panicked and he was looking for other places to sleep, where he was looking for, like, how long he could stay because he wasn't sure if he would be able to continue to live with her. Yeah. Wow. Um, or, like, even, like... It's rough. Like, he was pan. He knows, like, he can never come out to his family. Oh, wait. Oh, jeez. That's a shame. Yeah, That's... His, his family is very... That's a lot, Catholic. though, to- like how did like that's he, a he lot. looks so gay how did they not he's dating a girl <laughs> oh yeah i mean i went to catholic school so a lot of my friends had to be so closeted and there are definitely there are friends that i still have i mean all my friends i still have the agreement with of you know if you don't have a place to stay i always got you like and i hate <laughs> that it has to be that way i hate seeing the troubles that have come into the lives of many people i love due to societal homophobia and transphobia it's yeah. fucking awful I remember um, I watched a documentary called... Have you guys heard of the documentary Bully? No. No. It, it pretty much just talks about um, how school districts handle bullying throughout America and how they handle it very poorly mm-hmm. and how it can lead to, like, you know, uh, mental trauma, you know, and to, uh, sometimes even suicide. But there was one story that they that they were following up on. It was Gay about... people with trauma? I can't relate oh at my all. God. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so there was the anyway. The tea yeah. scalding. <laughs> I mean, I finished my tea, but like. Oh man, I could brew more. <laughs> Do you want me to brew you more? 
Honestly, maybe it's really good tea. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, we're gonna take a break. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're here. We just actually brewed a whole other pot of this pomegranate white tea because it's absolutely incredible. And Trader Joe's, they really had us in the clutch. They did a fantastic job. All right. So, oh, yeah, I was talking about the documentary Bully before and how there's a specific narrative about this lesbian that comes out to her community. She's I think she's a junior or senior in high school. But the bullying gets so bad, her and her parents have to flee the entire county. Oh, shit. So that was... It's interesting because, you know, when I was... I watched it when I was a kid, and, you know, I was very... I was very into... I was very pro-gay culture because, you know, my mom had a lot of gay friends, and I would always hang out with my mom and her friends all the time when I was a kid. So, I don't know, it's just something I was used to. So when I heard that story, I was I'd, I was shocked. Because I had no idea the discrimination could be that bad. Yeah. It was nuts. But, um, I don't know. It, yeah. It definitely depends, like, where you are. For sure. Because, like, we're lucky enough to live in New York City, which does still have some very conservative pockets. But, for the most part, it is a very liberal, very progressive area that has very welcoming, like, attitudes towards LGBT people. Yeah. Um, I will say that... Well, I mean, that's still the case, but still yeah. in New York City, I have several trans feminine friends who yeah. do mm-hmm. not feel comfortable walking outside in public because of how really? shitty people can be. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. No, and I think it's... And in this very building. <laughs> oh, really? And, like, yeah. I think it's also important to note that, like, LGBT... Members of the LGBT community, and especially trans people, have some of the highest suicide rates yeah. Jeez. in yeah. the country. And um, substance abuse is really prevalent in our community i myself and many people close to me have struggled with addiction and it's it's to the point where when i moved to the city some of my friends from back home were surprised that i was meeting lgbt people without substance abuse issues wow yeah (laughs) like they had never never met another gay person who wasn't i just and i feel i can't help but feel that it all seems to come down to a lack of understanding, right? I think people are afraid of what they don't understand. And yeah. people are, I think people are afraid to admit that they don't understand certain things. And so they'll just discount it entirely. Um, I don't know. Cause I'm just, I'm just going to be honest in terms of, you know, um, the, the idea of someone being transgender. I, it, it's something I will never understand. Cause I, I can never put myself in their shoes. I mean, you know, but I, it's, it's one of those things that I respect it because I'm all for self-love and whatever makes people feel comfortable. I'm, I'm all about that. But I don't know. I've, it seems like a lack of understanding may have something to do with it. I, I, I mean, for some people, it might have to do with like deeply held religious beliefs. For some Fair, people, it true. might go back to like the panic of the AIDS crisis in the 70s and 80s because mm. there were, back then it was a gay disease. It was, even within the gay community, it was something that was like, oh, you know, only the older gay men that, like, really partied back then had it. And, like, there were misconceptions then about, like, if you just, like, touched someone who was gay, you would get AIDS. There was very little Mm -hmm. information about how anything worked. People didn't understand that, like, being gay was just, like, a thing. It wasn't... It was, for the longest time, considered, like, a mental disorder. Right. And so even though now where we are... We have like all these great progressive ideas and people are coming out and they're being more open and more visible about their identity. I think it's important that like to look back and realize that like 
not too long ago in New York, like you couldn't get married until like the 2011 in the state. Uh, You couldn't get married across the country until 2014. Yeah. In countries around the world, it's still illegal and punishable by death to be gay. Yeah. And we can't forget that this discrimination goes and it runs really, it just runs really deep across Mm -hmm. lines that people just hold as fundamental viewpoints of the world that this is how people should be. This is how families should, this is what families should look like. And Mm -hmm. that any change to that could threaten their entire mental structure of how they see the world. Yeah. And that is very scary. And I have so much respect for our LGBT elders, people who came before in a time when, you know, we think it's hard now, but oh my God, it used to be so much worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for the people who paved the way for us to be able to live openly. And Hmm. you could confide in that was older that happened to be a part of the LGBT community? No, but I do remember um, my dad's business partner is lesbian, and that was, like, just a visible gay adult Hmm. I remember seeing growing up. And, you know, she and her wife are successful older gay women. And Mm -hmm. that's been nice. However, like... It's nice to know that... It's possible. there, There is life after young adulthood and adolescence and that you will there is the possibility that like not only will you survive but you can thrive yeah Mm -hmm. and you can build your own family however you want i one of my favorite parts of like gay culture is the importance of the concept of the chosen family yes Mm. where you don't have to hold anyone hold on to anyone that you don't love Mm -hmm. and you get to choose who you confide in, who you trust, who you love with your whole heart. And that means that a lot of people who may have been rejected by their parents and their families mm-hmm. aren't alone in the world. And it's a really nice sense of community. That's and cool. it's something that I really, really love. It's, that's one of my favorite parts about being gay too. My mm-hmm. chosen family um, are you know, my favorite people. <laughs> in the world they are people who i can honestly say are the reason i am alive today and that's awesome i, I can hope that I'm, I'm the reason some of them are alive today yeah yeah did it take a while for you two to find your chosen family i never i never thought i would be able to be happy as a gay person growing up in catholic high school and now here i am being able to be openly gay in new york city i have an amazing girlfriend amazing mm-hmm. lgbt friends yes. um i'm able to I'm able to be out and happy myself with myself in ways I never thought I could. I mean, sometimes I do still feel like pangs of internalized homophobia just getting at me, and I, I hate that those are still there. I hate that... Reagan mm, voice. Yeah, I hate that these little voices from, like, that echo what I always heard about me in Catholic school still mm-hmm. come back to haunt me a lot. You know, now in this present moment, like how... well. How have you? How do you feel like you've gotten to this point of being comfortable in your sexuality? And do you feel like you've gotten to that point in college? And lots of therapy. Lots of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, having similarly queer friends. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and being in a very like affirmative affirmative place in a lot of affirmative social social spheres. Yeah. That 
didn't make me feel like I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Having supportive family and a wonderfully supportive boyfriend. Right. um, And just kind of deciding that it was more important that I was happy with who I am and how I lived than making other people feel comfortable. Yes. Yes. Thank you. All right. And we're going to let's end that on a high note. That was that was an inspiring um, comment. But okay, Nadia, Claudia, thank you so much for being on the show. I this was so much fun. This was a great inaugural episode. Yes, Yes. we definitely got to do this again. All right. And with that, we're going to be signing off. Uh, This is Tea for Three, where we sip the tea and spill the deets. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all.